Every year I've launched something. 2019 Black Pod Collective, 2020 Black Pod Festival, 2021 Adobe Media and the studio. Like, baby, don't look at me for nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's be honest, you know, now you got to have something for 2022. So we got a few more months. You you got this. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. These conversations have been recorded with a live audience on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, And we've brought you the best moments from our conversation, discussing the various struggles that founders have had to face. If you'd like to be part of the live conversations where we allow the audience to participate, please follow me on Instagram at Chris Colbert Report. In this conversation, I'm talking to Anna Ogogo. Anna's a friend that I connected with here in the podcast industry, and she runs multiple companies, including Black Pod Collective, Black Pod Festival, and Adode Media. She really does it all. And as you heard, she's done it in a short amount of time. We talk about her journey creating three companies in three years, what it's like being the only Black person in the room, and the challenges finding the right kind of employees for your company. So honestly, you know, I tell people this all the time. Black Pod Collective was a fluke. Like, it was not planned. It wasn't this, like, big idea. So whenever people are like, so what's next? I'm like, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out as I go. But it honestly was, I started a podcast back in 2019 that lasted for maybe 2.9 seconds. And then I realized I did not know what I was doing. I mean, genuinely, I felt lost. And I didn't have, like, a co-host. So it also felt slightly isolating. So for me, it was, oh, I want to connect with other people. My friends were tired, and I mean tired, of hearing me talk about podcasting because every other second I was like, oh, did you know? They're like, no, we didn't know because we don't care. (laughs) Well, and so a friend of mine encouraged me. She's like, you should like, you know, connect with other podcasters and people who are, you know, interested in this. I think I went to one meetup here in Atlanta. And if you guys don't know Atlanta well, it is heavily black, you know, like it is just a very black rich city. And there were no other people of color, not no other black people. There was not another person of color. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, is podcasting not for black people? Like, I don't know this space. So that's why it ended up being Black Pod Collective, because I went to a meetup to connect with other podcasters and didn't see anybody that looked like me. Um, I had to gas myself up to go in <laughs> and, <laughs> and in going in, everybody was super nice, but our experiences were so different. Like they were all sponsored and monetized and, you know, this is what they were doing full time. So it made me feel like, oh, maybe this is not what I should be doing. So I started an Instagram page to share what I was finding out there as I was doing my research and connect with other creatives. And that's really how we got here today. Wow. And you know, obviously there was a void, which is crazy to think that there was a void of Black podcasters in all places, the Black Mecca, you know, Atlanta. Like, how, when was that, by the way? That was 2019. Wow, so not even that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, as you're in those spaces, like, I, I used to always have this issue working in a lot of white spaces, whether it be at SiriusXM or whether it just be my first podcast festival that I went to. I very much had that similar experience where 
one, I'm apprehensive because I'm the only one who looks like me, but I also am afraid to talk to people because I don't want to now represent all Black podcasters. Like, in that experience, and I guess even going into creating Black Pod Collective, like, how do you, how do you shoulder that kind of, essentially, I guess, kind of responsibility a lot of times that maybe you're the only Black voice that these people are speaking to? It's actually very difficult because it leaves me in a space to where I don't speak up about a lot of things. So, you know, I'm very apprehensive on getting on Twitter because Twitter, I just feel like it's just things like snowball really quickly. And next thing you know, there's a whole Twitter beef and there's a whole thing happening. And here I am just like, oh, my God, how did they how did they get here? Um, And so for me, I find myself very apprehensive about the things that I openly want to speak about because I have a community of people that I'm also representative for. So it's not just a, I'm representing myself or my brand, but also the community at large. And I know what, I know the potential of what Black Pod Collective, Black Pod Festival can do for our community. And so it does often leave me in a space to where my personal opinions on certain things are just not things that have to be public knowledge sometimes because it's bigger than me at this point. Mm. Um, And that's the responsibility of it is reminding yourself, you know, I've had moments where I'll post something and then within like three minutes, I'm like, I'm going to take it down. Just take it down. (laughs) Like, it's really not this deep. Vent to a friend about it and keep it pushing. So that's honestly, the burden is more so most people wouldn't know either way my thoughts on a lot of things because I tend to just not share. I, I definitely have that similar experience where like I I think I have so many drafts. I've now deleted them, but I've written so many drafts of like emails that I was either going to send to somebody in the industry or that I was going to send to like a newsletter or or a newspaper to be like, this is how messed up the industry is. This, look, you know, look at how they're treating people of color or these other marginalized communities. And I had to say, like, no, don't send that one because, you know, probably the way I wrote it was probably coming off very angry. Uh, But also because even if I accomplish my goal, it's going to blackball my company or in blackball the people that I work with, potentially, not to say it will, but it has a strong possibility of doing that. And so you have this added responsibility of the people that you're working with, but also the greater, you know, media industry at large. And so it's like trying to balance how do you create the equity that you want to see? How do you raise the issues that are a problem within your industry while at the same time not hurting yourself and the people that you work with? And I think that's that's a a thing that us as I'd say specifically for the podcasting industry, I feel like one, it's it's a, such a small industry. Like everybody knows everybody in some capacity or another. And so you have to be very careful because all it takes is, or at least to me, it feels like all it takes is that one mistake and now you're canceled or you spoke out about something and now you're looked at as the angry black woman. And because of the fact that it's bigger than me, I need to make sure I'm always in a position to where I can advocate for my community and people can want to work with us so that that way people in my community can get better opportunities. Um, Does that mean sometimes it seems like, oh, I don't feel strongly either way about something? Yes. But my personal views is something I share amongst friends. It's something I share within my paid community because of the fact that they've been on this journey with me. But to the general public, I just feel like it's not really worth it. Oftentimes, there are people who, I call them the crusaders of the industry. And it's okay for them because either there are allies and they're able to speak freely without retribution, or that's their personality and they've made it to a certain point that it doesn't impact them in that capacity. I'm only really three years into this. I'm still trying to navigate 
figure out like, okay, wait, what is acceptable? What's not? And, and it changes from like month to month. And, you know, I think just to kind of back up a little bit, let's explain a little bit more, you know, what Black Pod, uh, Pod Collective is and, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish with that. So Black Pod Collective is a digital community for Black podcasters. Our main premise or our pillars are community visibility as well as support. And so um, support and education. The whole premise, though, is oftentimes as Black creatives, like we don't make it long in the industry if we're not famous or we didn't blow up immediately. And oftentimes what I see is that it's from a lack of knowledge. It's not from a lack of desire. It's they don't... we. We, because even I, we don't know how to get that access, how to um, grow our platforms. And so I really want to focus on being able to be that conduit, whether it's having brands be able to see us more, which in turn sees our community more, um, being able to showcase that there are amazing people out here, like with Black Pod Festival I would say 90% of those Black creatives that we saw on stage teaching amazing things to the community have never spoken at a different podcast conference before. And the whole premise around that is you see the same, or I shouldn't call them token, but it's the same Black people who speak at every conference. Mm -hmm. And more people, they're always like, oh, well, then apply. Well, I don't want to apply to speak somewhere if I don't feel that I see myself in the audience. I don't feel represented in the people putting it together. And so that's the whole premise is being able to create space and safe spaces and stages for our community to showcase their talents, but also be able to glean from each other and say each other's names in rooms that some of us have access to that others don't. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned support, you know, when you were first mentioning this and I, yeah, everything that you mentioned is kind of within that bubble. But then how do you, how do you support people without, you know, giving too much of yourself? Like I think about the analogy of like, you know, you're helping pull people up, but if you get too tired, you end up falling down the hill. And so that does nobody good. Now you have nobody, you don't have the arms, you don't have the strength to pull anybody else up. You don't have the ability to be up above to get everybody there. So yeah, how do you balance that? So you're not you know, you're not doing this work as a detriment to yourself and to your company. I do not have an answer just yet because, you know, I literally just posted the fact that I would, after Black Pod Festival, I was ready to shut all of this down. Like Black Pod Collective, it is not something that generates money for me. Like we literally, all the money from membership goes back into the community. So it is genuinely a labor of love. So imagine doing something for three years and not making money, spending money on it to keep it going and keep it up and running, but also supporting people. It is a drain. And as I have gotten more noticeable, I think is I'm doing air quotes because it's like I, I still think of myself as just trying to figure it out. But as I've no, gotten you're a star more, in the industry. <laughs> as I've I'm allowed more, to say that because you know it's, it's conceited <laughs> if you said it. So as I've gotten more noticeable, apparently in the community, some people are upset about that. They feel like, you know, I have uplifted myself. What about them? Mm. And so it can be very taxing to feel like you're giving so much. And, you know, I, because I don't share often, you don't know the back end of the fact that we're not making money off of this. We are genuinely just trying to build and grow. Um, and so I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like because as I've launched Adode Media and my life has changed drastically in those three years, I'm no longer in corporate. There's just so many different layers now that I'm still trying to figure out like, how am I able to still support this community without feeling like it's about to drain the life out of me? And so, 
you know, when you tell me, you, when you learn, you make sure you come back and get me. Don't leave me here, okay? <laughs> I know, I was just about to ask you how you juggle all these things, but yeah, clearly, yeah, it's just, you just keep batting stuff in the air and you hope they don't fall. That's literally it. Well, and, and I think we talked about this privately recently, and I want to bring it here to this conversation that I think both of us ran into a similar situation in this last year where we had intentions of creating some new things, but the timing of it is like, okay, we're going to do this. And then right after this, we're going to, you know, make this company and then we're going to make this move forward. But the timing didn't line up where, you know, we, you know, plan these things out and then they mashed all together. So for me, it was, you know, creating a studio, but then also, you know, launching a new show, but then one new show became three new shows in a matter of a month. And it's like, I couldn't say no to any of them, but at the same time, they all went to launch around the same time. And next thing I know, I took on too much, too much work. And I know in talking with you around Adode Media and also with the podcast festival, you ran into something similar. Like, how do you manage your own time and resources with all the projects you want to do? And what happens? You know, how do you try to manage it once you realize maybe I took on too much? Um, that would 100% be the lofty idea I had of opening a studio while planning a major conference. Like, it just never crossed my mind that I should probably not do them at the same time. Like, it just literally never, like, the thought never happened until I was actively in it. And I had several nights where I was just like, give everybody their money back and just this conference is not happening. Like, I had several of those moments because it was four o'clock in the morning. It was three o'clock in the morning. It was six o'clock in the morning. It was sleeping at the studio. It was a lot and it was very stressful. And you know, they say as you, as you're learning, as you're doing, you can't just stop. So I'm already in it and I can't just be like, well, <laughs> this was too much. Um, but I can definitely say it taught me a lot in the moment of, you know, I'm one of those people who I will sacrifice sleep in a heartbeat to try to accomplish goals. And, you know, I am officially in my mid thirties. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not it. Like my body was like, Ooh, girl, this is not our twenties. Please stop it. Um, and so it's also recognizing and reshifting my mindset to say, okay, every idea I have is not an idea for today. Um, every goal I have is not a goal that even needs to be accomplished by myself. Like there's other people in the community and it's okay to allow them to either help or give it to them to do. Like, um, that's where I'm moving into where it's like, we are a expansive community. And originally I didn't know people now that I do, it's okay to like, I feel like God may use me as a vessel for the idea, but he may not mean for me to be the one to execute it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm moving into that season of every idea I have does not mean I need to do it. Um, and if nobody else wants to, it could be in five years, who knows, but it does not mean that every other day I should be launching something new because every year I've launched something 2019 black pod festival, 2020 black, I mean, 20, 2019 black pod collective, 2020 black pod festival, 2021 Adobe media and the studio, like baby, don't look at me for nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, let's be honest, you know, now you got to have something for 2022. So we got a few more months. You, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> With a lot of what you've been creating, I know when I create, a lot of times I want it to be perfect the second I put it out there. But being perfect can a lot of times paralyze you to not putting it out at all. So like I think about like your studio, I know when we were putting together our studio here in New York City, like trying to find the perfect location took months. 
And it got to a certain point where I almost kind of threw up my hands. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just not going to do it because I can't find the perfect space. And then once we got into the space, all right, I need the walls done this way. I need all the right equipment. I need all the props. But if you do that, if you wait till perfection, you're never going to actually launch. So how do you manage trying to put forward a professional product, whether it be your studio or whether it be the collective or anything like that, the festival, while also trying to manage your own expectations of what perfection actually means? Um, I would say I've actually gotten worse at that. I feel like when I first started, because there weren't any expectations around this, it didn't matter. You know, like when you start something as just an Instagram page to connect with other people, there's no expectations. Nobody knows who you are. Like you're just doing something for fun. So like, even if you look at our social, I know people have been like, you should take the old things down. I'm like, no, let people see where this started at. It was a black box with some text. Cause I don't know graphics like that. I was just <laughs> like, oh yeah, this looks good. and. I feel like as we've grown as an organization, as I'm becoming more known in the industry, there's now a bigger expectation I place on myself because I want to make sure that we operate in excellence. And so I feel like how I, I, how currently I'm doing this is focusing on making sure that we attack things in chunks and not try to release everything all at once. And so like we have a video series that's coming out we have been recording these videos for the last several months. I said, until all of the videos are recorded, we are not releasing any of them because I don't want to feel like, you know, we are now like, oh, behind on this or something yep. may come up. And so it's now working more so in batch and allowing for it to give us lead time so that that way we can actually rest because I think I'm, I, I know I'm done sacrificing my rest for the benefit of my community, you know, like, and that's what I traditionally used to do. But now it's about like, give ourselves enough time to where I can really comb through this with a fine tooth comb, because I know myself, I can't lie to myself and be like, Oh, just put it out there. No, I'm a struggle. It's not true. I tried to be that girl for two seconds. It didn't work. It was cute though, in my mind. And I was like, it doesn't matter guys. We're just going to put it out there. And then I was like, what is that? Who put that out there? That was not, we did not agree to this. I was like, you know what? <laughs> you are stressing everybody trying to be this nonchalant go with the flow. That's not true. Stop it. Well, and you've mentioned, you know, you know, trying to get, you know, you're now more in this season of asking for help. And that that can be really tough for a lot of us because one, like we know what we want and we know how we want it done. So a lot of times we just we hold on to things too long. But also sometimes we just don't have the the money, you know, the resources to be able to outsource things. So now that you are in this season of, of, you know, doling out some more of that work and, and you know, bringing on more people to help you with your different uh, companies and the festivals that you're putting on, what is it that you have found challenging in bringing on individuals and retaining individuals? Ooh, everybody thinks they can do everything. Everybody. <laughs> everybody is capable. And, you know... Something that's a gift and a curse for me is that I worked in corporate and I am a certified project manager. I'm a Lean Six Sigma certified person. So I look at processes and that used to be my job, like process improvement. I'm very detailed and I'm very meticulous. Most people are not used to that level of detail in anything. And I think oftentimes people... People bite off more that they can chew. And instead of being transparent of like, you know what, this is not my strong suit, they just don't show up. And so bringing on a team is very difficult because of the fact that, one, mentally, you think everybody's going to operate like you. Yeah. Two, 
who you get in the interview is not who shows up <laughs> to work. Like, Say that one more time. <laughs> it is not who shows up to work. I don't know where that person goes to. I wish they would stay for at least three months. Like, give me something. But they don't even make it to the first day. Um, and then in this day and age, I feel like everybody is now wanting to do their own thing, which I love, but it also makes it very difficult for people like us who are trying to scale our businesses when you can't find people who actually want to work for someone anymore. So it, it's difficult when you have this person who's trying to technically do the same thing you're doing, but they don't tell you that. So they come to work for you and then they're trying to take clients. It just ends up being like, did you read the contract you signed? Like what's happening? <laughs> do you ever struggle with, and maybe every situation is different, but like, do you ever struggle with having to let somebody go? You know, obviously there might be times where it's just like, no, you got to get the heck out of here yesterday because they've been so bad. But you know, there might be other times where you might like somebody, maybe you personally like them, but business wise, it just isn't clicking. Like, have you had some of those situations and, and how do you deal with that? I have 100% had that. Um, and I think because of the fact that community is so big to me. And when you're starting out and you have a small team, it's not the same as corporate. You know, like in corporate, I had a team, but there was HR and there was all these procedures. They weren't my friends. But when you have a team of like five people, you're around each other all the time. You get to know each other. And it becomes very difficult to separate that line of, I'm still your boss. Like whether you want to call it that or not, that's what this is. and I've had to make those tough calls of recognizing that like an advice I actually really give people is you cannot really be friends with people who work for you. It doesn't matter how much you like them. It's there's still just a level of things that are just never going to be acceptable. And for me, that's a big thing that I've had to realize is like, you may like somebody and y'all could be cool if they didn't work for you, but because they do, and for team dynamics and all of those things, you can never make it seem like you're impartial. So if you have a company handbook, you know, like this, this was why I had to create that. Have a company handbook, set up infractures. Once you have met that, you have to go. It cannot be that, oh, but this person has this going on. They have a kid. They have that. That is not your job. That's their job to worry about. So the moment that they're not following the things that they signed up for, you have to just bite the bullet and let it go. And I've become more comfortable with that because ultimately people will always put themselves first. That's human nature. And so they will do what's best for themselves. It's your job to do what's best for yourself and your brand because that's who it ultimately belongs to. So well said. I'm definitely making that a clippable moment right there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so you're also somebody who like, I know a lot of people who are running businesses, like when they start, it's a side hustle. So they're working in corporate, a lot of times in the same industry that they're creating something in. And I would never call any of the things that you're doing a side hustle, but you also are still working in the corporate world. So like, how do you, oh, you're not anymore. Okay. So in the past you were working at corporate. So we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit here. At a time you were still working in the corporate world while also creating businesses in the same kind of industry. How were you balancing those things? And clearly, you know, you've now moved on from that kind of situation. Um, in the past, I think because of the fact that I was in management, there's a certain level of freedom you have as a manager. Um, in, especially cause I worked in healthcare management. So, you know, I could work from home. Um, I get to determine when I come and go and those type of things. So that was helpful, but something to also know is I started Black Pie Collective right after like a massive layoff happened at my corporate job. Mm 
So they laid off like 400 people in 2019, February, and I got a good severance package. And so I decided that, you know what, I was not going to work for the all of 2020, 2019. I was going to take 2019 to figure out what was next. Like I didn't have a desire to work in healthcare. It was one of those things where um, my parents were like, oh, you know, this is a good industry and this is where you should be. And, you know, my Nigerian parents have never steered me wrong. So of course I'm going to listen to them, <laughs> but I didn't like what I did. I didn't find it fulfilling. Like I literally crunched numbers. I was responsible for $20 million for our organization Down to 10 cents. So like literally every month I have to basically get down to 10 cents and cash reconciliations and all of these things. And so there's nothing about that that was fulfilling for me. So I looked at that as, you know what, this is a year off to figure out what I want to do again. I used to plan weddings and events and stuff like that. So I went back to doing that as a freelancer while launching Black Pod Collective. So that whole year of building this brand I did not have income really coming in. It was me, you know, trying like, so we used to launch, do monthly events. I would find black owned spaces, partner with them. So I didn't have to pay for the space, partner with a wine company, partner with a black food truck. So that this way we could bring the community together while I did not have a job to pay for these things. It was in 2020 that I realized that, oh, this is like really a thing. Like, you know, the, the panini press happened. And before that, I was recognizing that, oh, wait a minute, I'm enjoying this. And what does this look like? And so I went back to corporate in April of 2020 with the notion of, I'm going to now have funds to really put into this brand because I can see what it can really do. Mm -hmm. I, if I didn't have Blackpot Collective, I probably could have continued to just freelance and do events and figure out like what I wanted to do with my life. But I started seeing that this was something I enjoyed. I enjoyed the conversations. I wanted to learn more. And so I went back to corporate so I could fund this. So I literally took on a job that allowed me to like get off at like three o'clock. It was still in healthcare management, but it gave me time to one, any extra money went directly into Blackpot Collective. And then As that went on, I was like, oh, wait, I'm helping people in the collective to produce their own podcast. I want to start working in this capacity as well. So in 2020, started producing shows and all of that. And then by February 2021, not even a year of being in that company, I was like, oh, it's time to go. I have enough clients on the production side that I can really do this. And by October 2021, I was opening a studio with a roster of about 15 clients that me and my team are now producing their podcast. So it's honestly, Black Pod Collective is what fueled me to realize that, oh, this could really be a thing. And in college, I worked at the newspaper, the radio station, the TV station, but I have Nigerian parents. They were like, communications, there's no money there. What's this? That? School work in healthcare. You know, and so I was like, they must be right. Cause you know, I don't know what makes money in the world. I I have no clue. So it just opened my eyes. A simple Instagram page opened my eyes to the possibilities and kind of tapped me back into what I used to do in college. Well, clearly you can tell that Anna's, you know, incredible in the media world because she already segued to my next uh, talking point here, which I, I really want to know about some of these wins that you've been having. Like, man, you, you were hosting this thing for me. So, you know, you touched on the studio. Tell us more about the studio and, and some of these great accomplishments that you guys have been having so far. So the studio, it's it's crazy to me because in hindsight, I'm like, who literally leaves corporate in the same year and opens a whole 1500 square foot studio. Like who does that? Um, also, you know, in the midst of pandemics and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
and planning a conference. Like, and sometimes I'm like, girl, your parents may have encouraged you too much as a child. You need to have some <laughs> some level of fear in you, some of this stuff. But um, I've been very blessed. So it's a 1,500-square-foot um, podcast production studio. So we do everything from podcasting, photography, videography, um, web design. So we do branding and design services, graphic design services. So everything from your cover art to social media posts to your website, um, to your videos. Like I have a team of nine people that work on this side of the house. And, um, it has been, it's been fun. It's, it's a lot of work, but I genuinely enjoy it. Like today's my first real day working this week. Cause I was like, you know what? Y'all got it. I'm gonna just stay at home. I think we're oh, good. That's great. So I'm slowly finding balance, and that's that's what's really big for me this season in my life. That's huge, and I it's funny. I the first time I got a chance to check out the the website uh, was was the other day, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to we need to upgrade our our studio website. We we need to look more like more like Anna's. So uh, we'll make sure make sure you go to our show notes. We have links in there. Go check out her different businesses. But yeah, the way that you represent yourself with all your businesses is, is incredible. Whether it be on social media, I know you don't do graphics, but you've gotten a lot better uh, with your social media presence, your website. Like you, you have really come a long way in a short period of time. I, I, I know we've talked about the fact you've only been in the podcast industry for three years, and we've been around for about three or four years, so it's kind of about the same. But the way that you move about the world, the way that people talk about you, and you know, the, the impact that you're making, it is hard to realize that it's been that short amount of time. It feels like you've been here for like 10 years. Oh, wow. Uh, I wish, because that would mean I'd, you know, have some more balance than what I have now. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think I have to remind myself of that, you know, like it's literally, it's really only been three years. And if we think about it, Two of those years has been a whole pandemic, you know? And so that's the piece that I have to remind myself of because it's easy to look at other people and their platforms and just kind of feel like, oh, I should be further along or we should be doing this or we should be doing that. We can't do but so much because, you know, in full transparency on the Black Pod collective side of the house, everybody who works over there, including myself, we're volunteering. Like we are volunteering our time. We are volunteering our talents to be able to bring these things to life. But it is upsetting for me sometimes because when I look at white counterparts and the platforms that they have for their communities and the things that they do, they have sponsors. They have people who are able to allow it to where this weekly newsletter that they send is sponsored to the T. This conference, like all of these things, whereas for us, it's always such a heavy lift that it then after a while feels like a burden. And so that's, that's a thing that I'm still trying to figure out is like, how do we go about it? You know, like we've built a solid brand. We have a solid following. Like at what point do brands then recognize that this is something that they should invest in? Well said. Uh, it's yeah, that's the same thing that we go up against as well. And it's like, you know, we kind of talked earlier on, on how outspoken you are versus, you know, making sure that you protect your own business. And it's like, th those are those things where like, you want to scream on the rooftops. Like, it's not fair. Like, look at us, put the, you know, you're saying you want to give money to these communities. Well, we're right here, but you can't necessarily do it that way. You have to be a lot more tactful than just standing up and screaming and yelling and sending out nasty emails like I do sometimes. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Anna, I really, really appreciate having you here. Uh, you know, I, I really could keep talking so much further. So we'll probably have another conversation down the road. But like I said, what you've created with Black Pod Collective, with Black Pod Festival, Adobe Media has been absolutely incredible. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll see more created from you, but hopefully after you take some rest, um, but 
before that, um, make sure that people understand where they can follow you on social media, follow your companies. I, you know, leave, leave you this open space to give all the things for all these companies. Um, so easiest, I always say, is just to follow me, Anna Gogo, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even though I barely get on Twitter. Um, it's Anna, O-N-A, Agogo, um, for all things. Same thing for the website. You can go to AnnaGogo.com and that homepage of the website will literally have the website for all the other brands. Um, I am in the process, of course, you know, as you, as you foretold earlier in the conversation, I am in the process of launching my own podcast called The Content Trapper. Um, and so you can kind of stay tuned for that where we're talking about all things content, Um, creation and content entrepreneurship and really just what goes into this world of being a creator. Um, So from tips and tricks on to how to be a podcaster and what to go into that to opening the studio and some of those highs, lows and everything in between. Um, So stay tuned for that. Thank you, Ana Ogogo, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Ana's companies by going to our show notes. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson and Ryan Woodhall. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real.